Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yoffcast for June 13th, 2022. Featuring poet Cindy Tran leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I'm your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic, formerly held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. We've been hosting the Yop virtually since the pandemic began, and this one was the penultimate virtual Yop before we open our new physical space. This month's open mic lineup featured Kim Bark, Stella Lee, Arthur Russell, Jess Gagne, Madeline Phillips, Vikesh Kapoor, Kayla Schwab, Bridget Duffy, Seth Leeper, Ilka Lampe, Michelle Hulan, Danielle Gasparo, Maya Huggins, Beatriz Yanis Martinez, Yana Kane, Anna Soderberg, and last but not least, Eddie Emma. Alright, let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for June 13th, 2022. Enjoy. Right, folks welcome back to the open mic portion of the brooklyn poets yop for june 13th uh to answer your question jess gagne in the chat that <laughs> i just saw i believe it's pronounced abicadarian although i have heard people also pronounce it abicadarian uh which also sounds cool uh i think you know pronounce it how you like <laughs> abicadarian i think probably suggests to more people that involves the abcs which i think is probably important uh, in any case, if you're not interested in ABC Darians and are interested in the open mic, uh, we are here for the open mic. Uh, again, if you don't know who I am, you're just joining us now. I am Jason Koo, Executive Director of Broken Poets and your MC tonight. Uh, we've got some amazing poets reading for the open mic tonight, including our feature reader, Cindy Tran, who just led the workshop that most of you just took with us. Uh, a couple of announcements before we begin about uh, ground rules for the open mic, as I'm sure uh, most, if not all of you know already, each reader will read one poem of three minutes max, give or take. And uh, every month we vote for poem of the month. Uh, and the way to do that, as I said at the very beginning in the chat is to text me at 718-374-1953. And uh, you just need to tell me the poet's name usually helps if you give me the full name we'll be screen sharing the text of the poems during the open mic so you'll be able to see their names and uh, get a good look at the text of these poems um, if you're just joining the yop for the first time today and wondering how the open mic uh, works we do allow people to sign up in advance and usually these open mic spots fill pretty early especially now that we're doing it online uh, when we move back to the yop in person as we did before we'll reserve some spots usually I think we reserved like five uh, at the beginning of the mic for people to sign up day of. Uh, that would reward the people that uh, like camped out overnight to like <laughs> sign up. Uh, I'm just joking, that never happened. But uh, uh, because the open mic lineup feels so fast, it seemed like it was impossible to read unless uh, you signed up like that night before uh, the previous month. So uh, when we do move back in person, we'll, we'll start doing that again. But for now, with the virtual yops, as I said, uh, we'll continue with that through next July. If you want to read for the next one, I suggest signing up as soon as possible. Uh, we will open up the event right for the next one, I think by 8.30 tonight. Uh, so keep checking back uh, if you want to sign up uh, for the next one. 
Uh, again, to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. I suggest waiting until the end of the night to text me the poet's name uh, that you are voting for. Uh, we record the Yop as a podcast. We call the Yopcast. You can subscribe to that on iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. It'd be lovely if you'd rate us five stars on iTunes. Uh, we've gotten... I think we're close to 40 now. It's kind of been on hold. I think we've gotten like one or two since the pandemic began. So apparently the pandemic uh, sucks for several reasons, but also because uh, people stop reviewing our podcast on iTunes. I'm not sure why, uh, but uh, if you would like to be one of the amazing people who uh, rates us on iTunes, that'd be great. Um, okay. I think that is all that I have to say. Uh, I think Joe uh, will be live tweeting tonight unless i'm mistaken uh quotes from poets poems and uh we will begin so cindy tran take it away i have two poems tonight the first one is called ode to my mom's menopause Now blood comes out of her mouth with every nose she makes the 10,220th meal for dad. Too salty, too bland, too bad, her silence says. All the chicken blood wasted in the lidded trash can. Perfectly good blood to draw circles around the wrong words. Bad wife, bad mother, bad cook, bad cleaner, bad person. Here she is making another meal. Now she is on the ground to see the dust she can't see without glasses she doesn't have. Now she is thinking about flowers, all the ones she never got from dad. Her chicken blood moves her to the flower store. She buys potted orchids with all of the grocery money. The Magician at Nomad Hotel. Ooh, the line breaks look kind of off. Um, okay, whatever. The Magician called my date by his name to establish truth. As cards shuffled through the night, he announced the numbers that came. The dim lighting shuffled our senses. What is true inside the magician's locked wooden box is also true about the night sky, filled with leftover light. Let's talk about the clock's illusion. Let's talk about air that can build a night full of questions. Let's call it magic. Let's call it human longing that hides in thin air, travels through the heavy fabric of a curve of our coat pockets and touches the sides of our fingers. Let's call it a slight of time, hiding questions in a voice box, making it chime. Thank you, and I can't wait to hear all of your poems. Okay, thank you, Cindy. Brilliant work as always. Sorry about those line breaks. I'm assuming what happened is when Jay, I think he sent a PDF uh, as Jay transferred it. It probably got screwed up in Word, um, but uh, <laughs> no worries. Uh, formatting difficulties. I apologize, um, but it doesn't make the poems any less brilliant. Uh, just uh, what was I going to say? Um, I remember Cindy was uh, one of my. You took like a workshop with me back in the day when I lived in Williamsburg. Did you not? Was that your first took... poets workshop? Yeah, I took two uh, poetry workshops with you and it definitely initiated sort of my life as a poet in New York City and also made lots of friends and definitely just was my solid ground. So I have that to be thankful for. <laughs> yeah, well, it really is. I didn't realize it, it, it had quite that impact. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that it did, but uh, it's amazing to see all that you've done since then. Um, 
because you're you're doing a ton and uh uh soon you will be teaching these workshops for us so uh it's great i always love it when book poets students and fellows become teachers so um anyway all of you uh i hope that you read more of cindy's work uh and uh Take their workshop if you can, which again will be beginning the first one on uh, July 10th at 144 Montague. She's teaching two this summer, so check them out at brokenpost.org. Um, our next reader tonight is Kim Bark. Give a warm welcome to Kim. Hi, congratulations, Jason. That's such exciting news. Um, I'm reading a poem tonight called Ochre. Gaia bleeds vibrant powder, toasted light that sparks a painting and renders souls aflame. You bleed and we make hands a la Lascaux, primeval marks unnoticeable tonight. I awake face down a float, a foot of pink ochre. I stand and sink my body enfolded. From earth, beauty, planes of sight studied, portrayals of wonder, and landscapes divine. Composed of fine iridescent tint, you carry light the way shells carry sound. I'm caught in a triptych, the garden of earthly delights. This city, can it be paradise? Goethe sings and Goethe shines. King Midas is colored taken from Leadville, Colorado. You paint without pigment, ochre sidelined by ink, the canvas ions in the posterior brain. Painting my histories, I wipe off the context and demand a lengthier sitting. Pink acknowledges atmospheric blue hue. All light can be satisfied and later torn. I live for words and swill them as nectar. You brutalize me with an imagined splendor. Alongside disdain, it tumbles and crashes, we find it in fissures, blistering in caves, lit by blazes and serenaded by moans, painted bodies writhe and roast, bearing bone. Clouds of pigment blown into panoramas, constructed, stretched, viewed and aged. Argaea smears her makeup and drips of hematite yellow and sienna nosedive into jars and wrapped in pigment, staring past you, one of billions, Gaia's portrait stands imperfect. She bleeds powder, you may notice. Her art's not hidden, but in its place very clear and often doomed. Countless designs a pope toasts as fear seizes hold or focus is lost. And it all withers in dust or falls behind in the race toward dirt, decay, and demise of the mind. Okay, thank you, Kim. That was awesome. Very intense. Um, I love the word ochre, by the way, <laughs> to say that. And uh, I like that. Uh, when you were getting to the, the Goethe part of the poem there, I suddenly had this flashback to how, how traumatized I was in college by the fact that I wasn't sure how to pronounce the name Goethe. <laughs> Because I was like, uh, people are not going to think I'm smart. And I'm still not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but I think it's better than what I used to think it sounded like. Anyway, uh, thank you very much. 
It's a fantastic poem to start us off tonight. Our next poet of the evening is the one and only Stella Lee. Give it up for Stella. You gave me an open box. Pandora wants it back. They cut the crystal out of his metal heart. Bull's red eyes fixed in their sockets, his head turning. A better view. Kindness surgically removed. Metal made to look precious. Shine silver and gold when all along it's really just iron and bronze, age etched in dirt, bits of care tied to a laden system. His clumsy feet rest unsteadily on a perch. Google, remember, this is all too much to handle, like a case of Pepsi crystal, mythical, translucent. Iconic scarcity, limited time only. Give a whole box. Show that there is something to hold on to. Time makes the heart feel yearning. Better, a right way to remember pain. Or maybe it is a phoenix trapped in the mouth of a Darth Vader plant. Just a different angle it is a skull. How there lies amidst nature, we force faces and eyes on everything, make it synthetic. I look at the ground, search for signs, peel away the constant pop, find wings in a flower, face turned to the side, arms stretched out. There are birds in everything I do. They wander out of old places, bring memories, eyes searching for the colors people can't see. Our promises are like metal wedges, tinkered, endearing faces, plastic bottles pounding out clear liquid, meant to taste more than water, softer than air. It is the sweetness that kills. All these promises of perfection. Hugo knows that this time the phoenix won't resurrect. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Stella Lee. Amazing once again, as always. There are birds and everything I do. I think it was amazing. I saw somebody write wow in the chat <laughs> at the exact moment, the thought, wow appeared in my head so uh it tells me that uh my feelings about that line were shared by other people in the audience as uh seems natural our next poet of the night is arthur russell no stranger to you all give it up for arthur russell hi i had to get off zoom uh, off mute hi jason good to see you again um so the name of this poem is the hat in a game of Saluji. Saluji was the name that we gave to, um, or that we inherited to, to uh, talk about keep away, like throwing someone's hat back and forth over their head. It's kind of an ars poetica. The hat in a game of Saluji. What does the poem want? 
It wants to stand on its hind legs and beg. It wants to be made to speak. It wants to be the baguette in your bicycle basket. It wants what the poet was afraid to want, to be a cat toy, a can of paint in a new apartment, the hat in the game of Saluji. It wants to be grandpa in the nursing home, astonished to see the children piling through the common room door or the piling at the end of the dock, splashed by a passing boat's wake, a place from which to see the world, the bubble in the pizza cheese, the tin man's oil can, the view out the heart's back window, the heart's back door. It wants to take a seat on the dried warped step of the heart's back deck. This poem wants children of its own, aunties to chide it, uncles with a fridge filled with bud in the garage. You say the poem is just an avatar for the poet and this joke is getting old, but I say, not so fast, Jablonski. Not just the view from the deck, the poem wants to be the pressure-treated lumber they build decks from. The stuff that goes gray, splits, and throws up the nails that held it in place, refusing in the end, like any good corpse, to stay put. Now, I love the wooden fire escapes I saw in Chicago, a city with alleys and balconies and stairs built into the backs of small brick buildings for the way they zig and zag to the ground, like an Aztec sculpture of lightning. Clotheslines, too, the way they reach out into the world with their clothes, like words that are offered and taken back. Pants. No pants. The poem wants to be a birthday card, a birthday party noisemaker that unfurls with the poet's breath and rolls back up to rest. It wants to be taken up by whales as whale song and evolve from whale to whale, from ocean to ocean. It wants to grow up to be a tune that Thelonious Monk wrote while waiting in the womb to be born, with the sense of longing as cold as supper in prison. It's not like the poet wants to get laid so the poem wants to get laid. Remember falling down the stairs at Robin Flam's house at Leslie Gollin's 13th birthday party? To be out in the middle of the sea is to tell yourself the truth that loving the place you were born is a neurological condition in which the homeland beckons to the traveler who wants nothing but the next wave and the next, even if it throws their wooden hull on a rocky shore. The poem wants to be a gang of a hundred men chopping down a California redwood in 1890 by hand with axes. And on the third day, the tree, this magnificent shaft fell and the men watched it fall. Men driven by stronger men, driven by greed. So the poem, drives the poet okay that's russell nicely done i love this art poetica i especially love 
pants no pants uh that was a special moment for me <laughs> very surprising and very pleasurable okay our next boat of the evening uh, i believe was around the corner from our new space jess gane how's it going oh is this why you were asking about how to pronounce Amy Sibarian? <laughs> Yes, and also I'm wondering if it would be possible for me to share my screen because this poem has changed a lot. Is that okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I think really to do that, I would need to enable you to do that because uh, I don't think you have the capacity. Right I don't. Now. That's okay. I'll just read it and you guys no, 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 can hold on. see. Okay. I, can, <laughs> I, I believe I can do it. <laughs> Give me one second. All right, go for it. Excellent. Okay. okay. Have to have it open. Yes. So, okay. This is an ABC Darian, which I've been pronouncing wrong the entire time I've been working on it. Um, and it's sort of uh, like inspired by um, one that I read that Natasha Rao wrote, um, which she, hers is ABC Darian on shame, and mine is ABC Darian on the subconscious. All I ate was fruit last weekend because I thought maybe later it could help me explain why I've been dreaming of the attic rooms of myself, entering spaces I wasn't even surprised to find fully furnished, containing Dutch masters still lives, good solid antique dressers, everything neatly organized in hewn oak, overflowing with perfume to offer options. Sorry, in fragrant self-reinvention, or time preservation. Just enough mystery around the next corner to keep me exploring the house all last night. I don't go to therapy anymore. Instead, I mostly just dream about myself as a house and never one that is both home and familiar at once. There are always rooms I've never seen before, promising some kind of window that isn't just another question about my moods or a stray scent ruining the moment when that makes no sense. I dream that my bedroom is infested with wasps to tell me that I'm lying to myself. I am angry that you are getting married and underneath it all is something I have yet to uncover and please don't let it be too late before I can. All of this is a vehicle for telling you about a locked box I can't open. Whatever's within is what I can't make exist or slice into with the sharp exacto knife, gently, carefully revealing insides that I can't see yet. Below the surface of myself, removing the skin of a peach, I write the zoography of the animal of my heart still being built like a house. Okay, mm -hmm. I like it. The zoography of the animal of my heart. Nice, nice job. Um, I love this form. It, uh, incidentally, just the very first Yup workshop, uh, which was in April of 2013. Man, it's a long time ago. Um, had nine students in it. <laughs> it's amazing we had students at all, <laughs> in fact. But uh, I led that workshop, and it was on uh, Navy Sidarian poem. Uh, cool. and, uh, I don't know if anyone here tonight was at that one, but uh, I teach, I always teach an ABC poem for my intro students. Uh, Maya probably remembers this because she's, oh no, you didn't take intro poetry. You just jumped straight to advanced because you're so advanced. But uh, I teach us an intro and we use uh, Black Alicious's song, Alphabet Aerobics to do it. 
uh, and have a fun time. So uh, anyway, nothing to do with your poem except form, but uh, great job with the ABC Darian. Uh, great mm -hmm. example of the form. All right, so we are back to my screen share. It was weird. I was trying to scroll down during your reading and realized that I had no power over your screen. Uh, our next poet tonight is the one and only Madeline Phillips. Hey, hey. Been a minute. Okay. Room 241, Christmas Eve. Under the bed, an orange peel waits while a woman curls herself above. How she forgot to turn on the heat last night. How she thought it was automatic. A carpet beetle decays in the corner. A vacuum hums through an open door down the hall. The orange peel waits and waits. For what? Not the fly, exploring the moonscape of its pith. Last night, the woman waited for a knock, lost in her book. She expected something softer, something she could hardly sense, a butterfly landing on her shoulder, a feathery seed pod hovering on the tip of her nose, anything other than what came. The orange peel waits, it waits, it waits and wonders what happened to the rest of itself, whole, once, late as last night even, a bright globe orbiting conversation, turning on the axis of her hand. Yes, it remembers now how her nail pierced its skin into a crescent, peeled it back, how her fingers rolled the peel into its present shape. The woman sat across from him at first, her lips hummingbird wings, talking on and on about how, when you really think about it, when we wear leather, it's just skin on skin. She ate three oranges in a row, played with the peels. She needed something to do with her hands. She needed something to do with her mouth. She could not stop her hands from palming orange after orange, her teeth from pressing flesh to pulp. Their aromatic oils infused her, sweat stained her hands, the sheets, the walls, the blank white pages in the back of the bedside Bible, yellow. He kissed her, the oranges overtook the room, peel on peel on peel. She tried to slow time with her hummingbird tongue, he felt it divide in two, flick into the flower of his mouth. It was too late. They could not stop the juice they'd squeezed from spilling, from filling up the room, the bed, an island in a pulpy sea. He could not find the toilet or his pants, had to swim to get out the door. He left her a half-eaten orange on the bed, its wet segments drying in the air. Checkout is in an hour. Her knees press the absence of heat into his shape. Of course, she will tip the maid, even strip the sheets for her, pile all the towels together. Under the bed, the one room waits and waits and waits.
Okay. Wow. I don't. I don't have any more words than that. That was. Uh, that was breathtaking. Um, do you like Wonka or Why at all, Madeline? I don't think I've ever read them, but I guess I should. It's a filmmaker. Oh. Should uh, check out some. Oh, then I should. Then maybe I have. What are what? Are there any movies that? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Can you put that name in the chat? Because I will forget. Thank you. This poem reminds me of his of his films. That, oh. uh, high art arrows. Good stuff. It's hard to do. Also a pants, another pants reference. I'm sensing motif for tonight. Arthur's poem and Madeline's poem. Maybe we'll have some more pants later on. <laughs> or oranges. Uh yeah, amazing stuff. All right. Our next poet of the evening is Vikesh Kapoor. How are you, Vikesh? Am I saying that name right? Yes, Vikesh. Okay. Hey, everyone. Um, some God. A news report hums of farmers miles afar, Davis wails, and flesh shakes, an earthquake. He trumpets above holding a minor village trembles. My cousin's heart bops to the beat. She dances, she eats, she dances. Miles urges to finale, suddenly purging all his body. The golden trumpet ceases. Stomach fluids up and he lowers, his arm like the stroke of some god, collapsing to the earth while the television continues to go on going dim okay thank you beautiful poem Vikesh. beautiful evocation of miles davis maybe we have a jazz motif tonight too we had Thelonious earlier my favorite and miles now the two of whom famously did not really get along <laughs> i don't know if you knew that but uh, some great stories about the two of them um cassie gabriel could not be here tonight, uh, which is sad because Cassidy's poems are always fire. We'll do like a slow scroll through this. <laughs> if you want to catch what you can in this text before we go on to the next poet. Yeah, it does look good. But uh, next time, uh, our next reader tonight is another fantastic poet, Kayla Schwab. How's it going, Kayla? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Congratulations. Oh, well. Thank you. So exciting. Um, all right, I will just jump right in. Uh, this is called Ode to the Compact Disc. In first grade, I thought I was the shit. I would sneak my candy apple red Walkman onto the bus despite my mom's warning. You lose it, you're not getting another one. But it was worth the risk. My songs whirring over the rumble of the bus wheels. My cheap, thin plastic headphones pressing hard into my too small head the thin layer of foam creating friction with my impressionable ears. It made those bumpy rides feel less scary. In second grade, a boy in my class gave me a copy of InSync's 2001 album, Celebrity, in a white envelope. The compact disc so fragile in its sleeve. I carried it home with care and put it in my pink Hello Kitty boombox. The first track, Top, made me move with a confidence that would be tested, lost, and found again. The boy band was on rotation with Hilary Duff's 2003 album, Metamorphosis, and now that's what I call Music 6. I spent hours in my room listening to my CDs and playing with Bratz and Polly Pocket dolls. 
I dressed them in sexy outfits, even though the part of my brain that understood what sex appeal was hadn't fully formed. I lost myself in the scenarios I'd craft for the dolls, the passage of time marked only by the playthrough of a CD, where I'd have to stand and load a new disc into the boombox and keep the soundtrack of my story spinning. In fourth grade, I got an iPod shuffle and wore it around my neck like precious jewels. My 50 favorite songs inside a piece of plastic shaped like a pack of juicy fruit gum. I held it in my hands like a compass, pressed its only button forward, skipping to songs I knew by heart and testing myself to learn uh, the ones I didn't so that I could sing along to the next school dance or on the bus, impress the cool girls and cute boys with my refined taste in pop stars and radio hits. The world of iTunes was as freeing as it was alluring. Every song on earth, it seemed, ready to play with just one click. A second big bang, the world expanding exponentially, and suddenly I was acutely self-aware and on the verge of crisis, not saying much for an eighth grade nerd still wanting, waiting for puberty to hit. I drowned in a sea of MP3s, trying to keep up with each wave of sound and song. When I got my license, I drove an old Chevy. There was no audio jack, just a CD player, and an excuse to return to a familiar comfort. Each week, I'd check out CDs from my county library and play them all the way through on long drives, download them to my computer, mix and max, match the best tracks, Rip them onto blank discs, curated for different moods. To touch that plastic once again, to push it through the slit and hear the whirring of the machine, that sweet labor. It brought me back to the untethered spirit that kept me busy in my room for hours, completely unaware of anything else, being in my body and letting it absorb only the good stuff, nothing else. I may never be able to part with those CDs, those artifacts from a life that often feels like a distant memory, but once you hear that opening beat, it, it all becomes real again. The heartaches, laughs, and drunken epiphanies all harmonizing to a lullaby. Okay, great stuff for so many reasons. <laughs> uh, you seem a lot younger than me, Kayla. I'm surprised you, you're, you're old enough to remember CDs. <laughs> How many CDs Very, do you have? Do you, do you have? Are you like me? You have like 800 CDs in your... I don't have a ton, honestly, but my parents have a lot. So like, I'm like protective of them getting rid of them too. <laughs> yeah. It really ages me. <laughs> By the way, your last, your last line there is an iambic pentameter. That's really cool. Oh, harmonizing to a lullaby. Uh, but I, I need to go back to page one because I just have to appreciate this moment of the, the title of this is it a Hillary Duff album? No, that's what I call music six. <laughs> I love the six. <laughs> I assume there were five before that one. Yeah, and they're may, still going. More after the There's six. like hundreds. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's what I miss about CDs, like all of the compilation albums. Uh, yeah. Okay, good stuff. I remember the days when I would like download CDs onto iPods too. It just seems so quaint now. All of the hours I spent downloading CDs under my iPad. Why? Little did I know Spotify would come along and make that unnecessary. Um, okay, thanks very much, Kayla. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, our next poet is Bridget Duffy. I have to say, I, I looked at this and I was looking at the poem document earlier and uh, I was very intrigued by the title. So uh, take it away, Bridget Duffy. Hi. 
Um, it's not going to be as titillating as it sounds. Uh, this is Pornography Tree after Edna St. Vincent Millay with thanks. My neighbor died. They pulled out the innards of his apartment and put them on the sidewalk. Couches and magazines and shopping bags inside shopping bags. We pick through them that week before the rains come, choosing what seems worth saving, harvesting beauty where it grows. Myself, I take a shoe rack. On trash day, the garbage men haul it all away, leaving behind only a pile of VHS tapes. He was a collector, it seems. The women of sex bizarre and dirty wives and pulp friction, all perms and garters glare up at us from their resting place on the pavement, growing more and more damp as we walk hastily past them, a dead man's porno collection seeming especially improper. Until one morning we wake to find they've been disemboweled, clamshells smashed, tape ripped out and draped like tinsel, over the branches of our dinky street-side sweet gum. Easter was weeks ago now, but the church bell doesn't seem to know and still asks on Sundays, was I there when they crucified my Lord? Was I there when they nailed him to the tree? When the early light reaches the machine shaft next door, I can read faint, joyful graffiti. Fuck, balls, anus, nice apartments suck ass. These days, where does beauty grow? The bread line wraps around the block. I call my father and tell him how much I paid at the market for rice this week. He laughs, says thems that were eating beef are eating chicken and thems that were eating chicken are eating beans. I'm a vegetarian. A pink veiny baby falls from its nest. Someone, I don't know who, stomps it to death and leaves it there for the rest of us to mourn. Its one intact eye seems still to stare. We step over the mess and pray for more rain. It comes, bursting through ceilings, seeping through window seams. We're caught in clogs and suede and best suits after mass, wading up to our waist, cursing an ever-expanding flood zone, steadying ourselves on drowned sedans, pretending not to see the little pale hands reaching out from the sewer grate or pieces of crushed baby grackle floating on the surface of that black, black water. Where, oh, where does beauty grow? We pluck it from the places we can. A hot cup of coffee, a friendly stray cat, Landlord beige chipping away in the hall closet to reveal a cheery green blue. Light squeezing through the brutalistic cracks in the county hospital, built in the 60s and ugly on purpose. Laundromats at night. I reach up my hand and I eat of the fruit of the pornography tree. And it is sweet, so very, very sweet. Thank you. Okay, that was great. Uh, yeah, not not as titillating as the title, but definitely more sophisticated and full of emotional depth and complexity. Which is Wait, artistically, I feel like I'm pretty much on par with Sex Bazaar. So, <laughs> pulp friction. I just I love dirty wives. <laughs> like, like the the calculus, the linguistic calculus of someone deciding that 
saying wives instead of wives <laughs> makes it makes it like dirtier or something oh man um but that yeah that was great thank you uh and i like how the, the title sets up the poem um it makes you think one thing is coming and then you're like no but i'm gonna give you something surprise yeah a lot more a lot deeper and more serious than you were expecting okay uh thanks very much bridget amazing as always our next poet, uh, another Broken Poets Fellow. We've had a few read tonight already. Uh, and Cindy, our teacher, is a former Broken Poets Fellow as well. Seth Leeper, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Congrats on the baby. Yeah, doing well. Doing well when the baby is not screaming. <laughs> Ooh. Yes, even that is kind of fun, I have to say, in its own way. You say that now. <laughs> yes, that's true. I was talking to my brother-in-law today. He's like, just wait, Jason, it gets worse. <laughs> Yeah, and then in hindsight, anyways, you'll forget the pain later. All right, um, thanks for having me. Um, I'm sensing a theme of like goddesses tonight. Um, and then also don't worry about the Gerta thing because I was completely committed to go with for years before I realized how it was actually pronounced. Anyways, Chloris, for those who might want to know, was the Greek goddess of flowers, um, which I learned when I Googled it. <laughs> so here we go. This is called The Offering. Chloris whispers a myth of how each pansy got its I'm going to start over, sorry. Chloris whispers a myth of how each pansy got its inkblot in the center of its face, spreading to all four petals. Blot, both blemish and mark, it's a parable about how beauty bleeds, how each living thing is made more resplendent by its stains. What we learn is the pansy got its markings from the heart, which allowed itself to be sliced open dribbled over the petals of the flower, each droplet a testament of ardor, affection, esteem. This was the first broken heart. It sacrificed itself so there would be evidence of love in a cold world. Okay, thank you, amazing. There wasn't a second page, was there? Sorry, I can't hear you, there's a train going by. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I was just checking. He didn't say anything at first. I was like, oh shit, there's a second page. Uh, but I'm glad there's not. Um, Seth, as you started reading, I, I remembered I owe you an email. <laughs> um, and so check check that chat message and uh, I hope it's still possible to make that happen, but it's been crazy. Sure, um, I'll follow up. I'll send you an email tomorrow. Yes, this is a oh. second, second straight yacht where I've talked to a reader about owing them an email. Last month, it was Danielle, who uh, we'll read later tonight. <laughs> uh, and she'll tell you, I made good on my promise. Uh, anyway. Uh, no worries. We're all about grace. <laughs> yes. Our next reader is David Sanua, but I didn't see David in attendance. David, are you here? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't see them in the attendee list. Okay, well, David, if you're here and somehow I don't see you on either list, please speak now. Uh, okay, I'm assuming you are not, so we will go forward. Our next reader is Ilka Lampy. Am I saying that right, Ilka? I can't remember from the retreat. Uh, Ilka, yeah. Ilka, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to hey, see you, Jason, you and everybody. It's good Last to be here. I saw you, we were in the, we were in the Hamptons. <laughs> pre-pandemic Hamptons. Yep, that's right. right. Yep. 
you came to that one of those yeah that was the <clears throat> december before yep mm -hmm. i stood in the kitchen I stood in the kitchen of my childhood after my mother's passing. Eight months had gone by, time to clear out the past. I stood in front of the counter where we had baked Christmas cookies together. First memory of that almond scent from the tiny cylindrical glass bottle, the careful cutting out of stars hearts and bells. I stood in the kitchen where she would wash dishes and I'd dry them with the white and red checkered kitchen towels that then got hung up to dry on the little fan-shaped plastic rack that was mounted above the Brottrommel and the toaster. Looking out over the garages and row houses, or as we used to say to Frölings, where Ilona, my best friend, had lived. We played and rejoiced and played from age five to nine, when she was incomprehensively dying of leukemia. While we were away in the vacation village of Wessenstedt near Epstein in the Lüneburger Heide, Go somewhere where neither you nor your daughter have any memories of your husband, Dr. Janssen had said, after my father had passed in the fall, run over by a car nearby. I stood in the kitchen when the distant relatives, whom I had gratefully invited, dug and rummaged through the white and pale blue waist-high standing cabinet from the 60s that held my mother's cookbooks, ooing and eyeing, yet tossing them aside as they were getting ready to log the piece downstairs so that their daughter could claim it as her new retro furniture. I walked away to the balcony, allowing tears and nausea pass through me before returning to the site of unintended disrespect. I stand in the kitchen and drop into grief over the latest school shooting, killing 19 children and two adults in the land of the free and the home of the powerless. Wow, thank you so much, Yoko. It was beautiful and haunting and tough, uh, <laughs> but uh, beautifully written and uh, Thank powerfully you. written. Um, Thanks. Something occurred to me as you were reading it. Um, what was it? Well, one thing occurred to me is that I, I thought it's a completely random comment, but I was like, well, Yoko probably really knows how to see Jason, are you oh, muted? Oh. Or is that me? Uh, I don't think I'm muted. Oh, wait, never mind. Sorry. My audio, I think, just went out for a second. Now I can hear you. I'm sorry. I did not mean to. Yeah, thanks for interrupting, Joe. No problem. <laughs> sorry. I was Struggling say, out here. Yoko, you probably know how to say Goethe really well. Anyway, it's like a random comment I had in my head. What were you going to say, Jason? 
<laughs> this is common is now well past it's it's due but i was just gonna say you probably know how to say grotto really well oh <laughs> <laughs> but, now it has zero humor if it had any to begin with uh, but uh, uh it's an incredible poem um okay thank you so much thank you um let's go to our next poet another former workshop student of mine Brings me back to the old days of teaching workshops in my apartment. Michelle, yeah. Hulan, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been a while. It's good to see it's you. It's been a long while, but you know, we've got like a once a year thing happening. Yeah. Working out. Congratulations on the baby. Thank you. Everyone's saying that. But, um, yeah. So I'm reading in Obad. Um, so speaking of poems that forms that people have a hard time pronouncing. Uh, I said obeyed for a really long time and uh, there's pants involved. Well, no pants. So thematically, I'll just start. Obad in which the dawn speaks. Good morning, you whispered to each other, hands over your mouths all hushed like I've broken more than the day just by spilling through curtains. You touch each other's scars and one of you plagiarizes roomy, says the wound is where the light enters. Sure, I can light the dust from the fawning evening, but I won't go inside you like some kind of God. Even I brim with dark matter. While one of you pulls the sheet to your neck, the other gathers clothes, your nakedness more empty than open. Sometimes being light is like being the last sober person at the party if the party never started and your chest is sliced open. I say lovers bloom at your own risk. The first flower dies the quickest. Oh, lovers, just part. There's too much light and not enough wounds anyway. Okay, beautifully done. Amazing last line. There's too much light and not enough wounds anyway. Um, yeah, no judgment about Obad. <laughs> I think I probably made that mistake at some point too. It's a great word, Obad. Uh, I remember seeing that in the titles of people's poems before I knew what it meant. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> I want some of that. Um, yeah, although I don't think I've ever written one. Although I, I think I've written Obads, I've just never titled any of them Obads. So I feel like that's a, a pleasure I'm going to give myself later in life. <laughs> the next poem will be Obad with Screaming Baby. <laughs> yes, I'm ready for it. Yeah. All right, I'll dedicate that to you if I ever write it. If I ever write a poem again, I'm not sure I will. We'll see. Uh, all right, our next poet, Daniel Gasparo, whose email I did not return, but I made it up to her by hanging out with her in Beacon when she came. That's so, right. Uh, Seth, maybe you just come up to Beacon and we'll hang. <laughs> we'll hang. <laughs> I don't need get the email you bar. Back. We'll just get a drink. There. Full <laughs> <Little> math, Seth. <laughs> All right, go for it, Daniel. All right, thanks, Jason. <clears throat> the steps. One, you in a loose-fitting light blue embroidered tie-neck blouse, sitting on the living room floor, legs outstretched, your back against the wall. You slouched forward, chin down, mouth open, eyes closed. Everyone who came to the party is gone. You sit there a long time, silent. I see your stomach is moving in, out. You sit up quick, you lift your head. I look into your eyes. They are looking towards me, through me. 
I see a dark oblong stain on your shirt just below the open tie neck in the spot where your heart is. The stain is bigger than an egg, but smaller than a heart. I go and get the phone book from the kitchen pantry. I march to my room with the phone book, passing the opening to the room where you sit on the floor with your stain. I slam the phone book on my dresser and open it. I flip fast through the big thin pages. I'm going to call Alcoholics Anonymous. I shout other words, but these words I will remember shouting until I die or until you die or until you almost die, but don't, and you don't have a wake up call and I want to kill you. You are my mother. I am 10. Two, daughter. You almost died, mom. How many times until you get it? It doesn't mean you're out on the streets like a slobbering drunk with a bottle inside a paper bag. Yours is tucked in the bathroom closet. You're not Uncle Mickey or Aunt Eileen. Do you know the first time I watched you abuse alcohol? I was 10. You were sitting on the living room floor. Mother storms out of room. Three, a vital life. Something inborn powers it, but still the privilege of an artist's life, no matter what, no matter rage, no matter denial, no matter no curiosity, no conversation, no matter what a life grounded by a mother and a father. That is to say, until the father dies of cancer, smoking is the number one established cause of bladder cancer. The mother will surely drink more now. What about the autistic brother and son? What about anything other than you? You, you, mom. What a thing to say when all I do is live for you and your brother. I guess I'm a horrible mother. I know you love me. I want you to like me. I have no purpose. I'm fine. I don't need any help. I admit I smoke, but I don't know what you're talking about. I can't remember the last time I had a drink. Exactly. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Therapist. What's coming up for you today that feels important to discuss? Therapist. What's coming up for you today that feels important to discuss? Therapist. What's coming up for you today that feels important to discuss? Therapist, what's coming up for you today? Daughter, things would have been so much easier if my mother had just died. Therapist, how does it feel to say that? Woman, it feels true. Nine, a life unshackled begins. 10, a life unshackled continues. 11, a graduate degree, a partner, a home together in Brooklyn, a brother with a friend. 12, hi mom, an embrace, tight, true. The weather, the news, what happened with so-and-so and this and that, same old, same old, God, this place is a mess, not enough hours in the day, here's a coupon for that lotion you use. Small vomit splotches deep stained into beige carpet. Unplugged oxygen tank, unplugged because it has never been used. Photos and frames behind photos and frames behind frames wrapped in plastic with photos of strangers. A bright orange price tag covers a child's face. A tissue or a napkin or a paper towel crumpled on the floor next to the couch under the end table beside the leg that's propped onto a poster. 
Green glass shamrock bowl filled with individually wrapped lifesavers. A stack of financial documents sitting on top of several flattened unused Christmas gift boxes. Shirts and pants ironed and folded, piled onto the one side of the king-size bed that's been made. Half-empty bottle of vodka tucked beneath a sweater in the built-in drawer set directly below the disheveled side of the bed. Dead plants on a sun deck, dead for who knows how long dead, dead as the five years dead father of an artistic daughter dead, dead as the five years dead man who fathered an autistic son dead, dead as the husband for 45 years dead, dead in the sunlit corner of the deck, not one, not two, four mock terracotta pots packed with ashy topsoil and the petrified idea of leaves. A star-shaped mylar balloon at the tip of a long plastic stick resting inside a cleaning bucket. It's happy birthday, sun bleached to read, ha, birth. Later, too much food cooked for people who no longer exist. I should get going, mom. Here, these are for you. Three scratch-off lottery tickets with no winning matches. Detach with love, detach with love, detach with love is how the phrase goes. I remind myself, okay, mom, thank you. Hug for everything as we rise and slowly head outside to my car. She stays at the love you, I'll call you door. The steps are too hard for her. Okay, well, thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for the grace of the, the more or less with the three minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem at all. Uh, I remember you telling me about this poem and uh, it certainly lives up to everything you said about it. Uh, it's incredible. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, and haunting. Um, yeah. No, there's not much more to say. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Okay, all. well, if you're going to go over three minutes, that's how you do it. <laughs> um, Okay, and uh, I know I owe you another email, Danielle, so don't worry. <laughs> as soon as my baby stops screaming, I'll get back to you. <laughs> Our next, which may not be ever. Our next poet is uh, one of my brilliant students from Quinnipiac, uh, recently finished her internship for Brooklyn Poets, Maya Huggins. How you doing? I came of my own free will this time. I know, it tells me you, you really believe in Brooklyn Poets. <laughs> No, I like it. That means I mean, a lot. No, the last, the last job ended, and I went. I have to sign up for the next one. <laughs> Gosh, damn, damn. I gotta, I gotta pay for this one. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, well, there goes my money. Um, but yeah, I, I promise. I probably would have just given you a free one. <laughs> yeah, I promise. Not this poem, but next time I have a poem, it'll be one you haven't seen before. This is this will be the last time I'm gonna make you hear another poem you've already heard. <laughs> okay. So this one's uh, frozen. Cold slowly seeps into my flesh, bones, soul, as I sit in my chair of snow, watching the sun set over the hill. The frost hurts my fingers, but it's a new pain that almost numbs the constant screaming ache that has made home in my hips, legs, body. Sparkles float from the clouds, burying me in an early grave. But still, I just rest, unmoving, unthinking, unfeeling. It has been three days since the diagnosis. Wanting it to be a lie, I trudge 30 minutes into the snow with my dear siblings, 
only to collapse into the bank, forming it into an armchair of glacier hillstone permafrost. The day grew dim and they wanted to return to warmth, but I found myself trapped in my melancholy as I watched the setting sun's light glitter and fractal across the frozen tundra, adding flecks of gold, warmth, healing to a world casting cold, silver and white. And I just sat in the snow, slowly freezing my bones. I know it's a strange feeling to be fond of, the helplessness trapped in the cold, sitting in serendipity, benediction, grace, waiting for the hands of my mother to lift me from the earth, to carry me home. Thank you. Okay. Well, I, I certainly don't mind when you read poems that I've seen before, because uh, I love this poem. This was the last poem in your chapbook, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's a great ending to a chapbook. And incidentally, it serves as a kind of like a, a cousin or a sister poem to Danielle's. Uh, it's, it's cool that those poems went back to back. Uh, serendipity, indeed, <laughs> and benediction and grace. Uh, okay, thanks very much, Maya. I look forward to the next poem that I haven't seen. <laughs> so uh, maybe next month. Our next poet tonight, another uh, Book and Poets fellow, Beatriz Yanis Martinez. How are you doing? I am good. Congratulations, Jason. Thanks very much. Um, this poem is titled Las Cuidanderas. Si la casa could speak, her language was that of the realillos that inhabited her. She was in a state of constant anticipation and her previous inhabitants in a state of future returning. Stillness danced her way through the walls, lulling them into stagnant melancholy. Smell of thyme and rot permeated her blankets. The water from the pila was a stanque of sancudo larva. Garlands of spider web wrapped around her corners. Dust had settled in a protective blanket over the sleeping furniture. When my aunt and uncle asked my mom to take care of their house, she said it would be like Jalupita and Don Faustino took care of the house next to Mamita. That it would be only temporary because one day the owners would return from the United States. Except I had known Lupita for years and the owners were ghosts suspended in limbo of return and departure. We dusted. The water was sanitized, the kitchen felt fire and the hammock danced. Every time we sat, the wooden chairs lamented in suffocation of our weight. They had existed so long without function, they had forgotten they were chairs. My favorite winds were the winds of August that ricochet against the tangible silence of the house. The millipede tattooed his exoskeleton body onto my flesh. The religios didn't, know, didn't make their presence known until the rains of May. They came at night, synchronized waves of peristaltic motion, coiling their bodies in a militant vigilia in this now inhabited no man's land. 
We had become cuidanderas in a house in the middle of decay, interrupting her process of decomposition. I asked Lupita why her family never left. She showed me her tattoos, blackened coiled ridges in the form of a labyrinth. I traced her skin trying to find a escape route. I never found one. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Beatrice. Amazing, amazing poem. Sorry, I skipped ahead just to make sure there wasn't a second page, but I didn't mean to, to, to make the text disappear so quickly because there's so, so much to appreciate. And uh, let's settle in the ear and the imagination. My favorite winds are the winds of August that ricochet against the tangible silence of the house. Damn. All right. Um, great stuff. Um, we, I think, have three or four poets left. And our next poet, another uh, Yacht Poem of the Month winner from last year. We've had a few from last year read tonight, Yanakai. How is it going? Uh, thank you. First of all, I'm uh, congratulations. And <laughs> thank you. My, my daughter is now 23. They do grow up eventually. They don't scream yeah. all the time. <laughs> It's good to know. <laughs> I appreciate this time though when you can just like yeah. have like a little you just have like a little creature lying in your chest. It's pretty yeah, amazing. It's 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 yeah. it's it, it, it's really astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> so right, go for it. uh as you some of you probably know, um my first language is Russian. And I wrote this poem this March. And I haven't, I wrote it in both Russian and English. And then since then, I haven't written any Russian poems. I don't know if I ever will. But I'll read you the English version. It's called Mother Tongue. I used to remember the first light, the slow kindling of dawn over the milky plain of fresh fallen snow. I used to remember the first words, more song than speech, a lullaby cradle, woven secrets of spruce and birch thickets. Now light is stained, an unwitting accomplice to the eyes taking aim at human targets. Now memory stumbles among craters and wounds deafened by explosions, by screams, by the dead silence of rubble. My mother tongue is struck dumb. Hatred sent its words to wage war. Okay, thanks very much, Yana. Again, I was making sure there was no other page, but uh, powerful poem timely uh sadly timely but uh necessary uh so thank you very much um okay going back forward our next poet is i believe a yop debuter unless i'm remembering this wrong anna soderberg hi um is this your first time with us it is yes all right cool um, plant me in a dream. 
Fill a tub of orange pigment and paint me a backyard full of peach trees until I smell the fruits of your vanity, like the peaches that you planted yourself in last week's dream, the dream you mentioned where food grew from the palm of your hand and you and I rerooted ourselves in a place that isn't here nor there, somewhere we could grow, not a family, but a few more inches. And the dream, it ended with sweet rain that glazed sugar onto the skin of ours. I swear I'll trace the days with a single Q pencil if it means you'll sleep a minute longer to keep me planted amongst those peach trees. Thank you. Okay, thanks very much, Anna. Glad you could join us this first time. Uh, St. Lawrence University, I interviewed for a job there <laughs> many years ago. Uh, did you I went was... there, dude. Oh, that's right. And Joe went <laughs> to St. Lawrence. Did that's why. Uh, did you know Sarah Barber, Anna? Yeah, she was actually my mentor, and I wrote my, I did my honors thesis with her in my senior year. Yeah, she went to, I went to school with her. Oh, really? School. Yeah. Surprised she didn't mention that. <laughs> I thought she told you to join, but uh, that's fine. No, she didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I haven't seen her in such a long time. But uh, and is Pedro Ponce still there? Yes, he is. I had him as an instructor yeah. as well. I love that guy. I just met him at the job visit. He was, uh, I loved him. He was so funny. Um, anyway, good stuff. And uh, yeah, I should talk to Joe, who went to Sarah Lawrence, St. Lawrence, not Sarah Lawrence, St. <laughs> Lawrence. I did. I didn't study creative writing, though, but I did go there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know any uh, of the creative writing i didn't take a single <laughs> class but <laughs> what a failure <laughs> uh, anyway um all right thanks anna hope you come back again that was good um i think this is our last poet of the evening if i'm not mistaken another yob debuter i believe eddie emma hello there you are all right go for it uh, sun staring or not staring, ground I lost and can't stop finding. Never in a hurry things, the train that comes, the reading chair, gone or not gone or so close I can see in pieces the train, the chair, the sun, you, like days or furniture, make as far apart as years. Okay, thanks, Eddie. That was great. Is that your first time reading a, a poem for an audience? Yes, but um, I worked really hard on it. Yeah, no, I'm sure you did. I can tell. Congratulations for doing your first reading. I'm glad it was with us. Uh, and keep coming back. All right, let me just click and make sure we don't actually have another poet. That was it. Uh, fantastic lineup of open mic poets. I happened to check my email a few minutes back. I've noticed that a bunch of people have already signed up for the next one. So if you haven't signed up yet for the July YOP, uh, which incidentally, I can't remember if I mentioned this, uh, will be led by IS Jones. That is on July 11th. That again will be virtual, likely our last virtual one. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of factors coming into play, including COVID, which is obviously still ongoing but uh if you want to read for that one make sure to sign up soon i'd suggest you sign up right now 
Uh, to go back through the open mic lineup, uh, again, to vote for Poem of the Month, text me at 718-374-1953. I'll put that in the chat again. Just tell me the post name, and uh, that will be your vote. And uh, you can certainly vote for yourself if you read tonight. Uh, that is that is totally okay. We just heard from Eddie Emma. And before that, we heard from Anna Soderberg. Before Anna, we heard from Yana Kane, Mother Tongue. Before that, Beatriz Yanis Martinez. Before Beatriz, we heard from Maya Huggins, Frozen. Before Maya, we heard from Danielle Gasparo. Uh, I believe this is called Steps. Yeah, The Steps, sorry. Before Danielle, we heard from Michelle Hulan, Obad, in which the Don speaks. Before Michelle, uh, somebody's typing. I don't know who that is, but she's probably mute. I think that's you, Yana. There you go. Thank you. Before that, we heard from Ilka Francisca Lampe. Uh, I probably butchered some part of that. Sorry, Ilka. David was not here. Uh, Seth Leeper was before that, the offering. And before Seth, Bridget Duffy, I was just laughing at that line at the top of the page. Before Bridget, we heard from Kayla Schwab, oh, to the compact disc. Good times, the compact disc. Cassidy uh, could not join us tonight. Vikesh Kapoor was before that, Some God. And Madeline Phillips before that, Room 241, Christmas Eve. Uh, before Madeline, Jess Gagne, Avis Adarian, and the Subconscious. And we're almost back to the beginning. Arthur Russell, the hat in the game of Saluji. Before Arthur, Stella Lee, he gave me an open box. Pandora wants it back. And uh, I think that is almost it. Kim Bark was, I, I believe, our first reader uh, after Cindy Tran, our feature reader. Uh, can't vote for Cindy. I mean, you can, but uh, she's ineligible to win as the feature reader. So uh, I would save your vote for someone who is eligible. Um, again, 718-374-1953 to vote for Poem of the Month. The 12 winners of Poem of the Month will square off to uh, compete for Poem of the Year honors. That will be in December. As I think I've mentioned before, because we're continuing to do the op virtually, that Poem of the Year contest will probably also be virtual, uh, even though we are likely transitioning to the in-person YOP again. It's amazing. It's like, I barely remember what it's like to do a YOP in person. Uh, it's a, it was a really complicated event to set up, as, as I'm sure Joe can attest. Uh, we had to record the audio. We had to be careful about that. To take pictures, so many moving parts. But, chairs. Uh, the, yeah, well, the beautiful thing, though, about this space, Joe, <laughs> is that we don't have to break down tables and chairs, yeah. uh, which uh, maybe means Arthur is going to be a lot more relaxed because Arthur Russell <laughs> was one of the people that was uh, beautifully doing most of that uh, physical labor of breaking down tables and chairs. Uh, I loved but, some live, Jason. <laughs> live was great. And yeah. there were drinks. Yeah. Uh, we'll all remember that fondly. Uh, it's sad to say that it's, I think 61 local clothes, but uh, uh, many happy memories uh, breaking down tables and chairs. And, uh, and there was a special energy at 61 local, which hopefully we will recreate uh, and, and create a new energy in this new space, uh, which um, I'm certainly spending enough money on furniture and lighting <laughs> to make this space as beautiful and as cozy and appealing as possible because uh, god damn it poets need a really nice space to read their poems you know i've read in enough 
tiny shitty bars with tiny shitty bathrooms <laughs> for one life. So uh, I promise you this will not be that kind of place. Um, so if you can make it out to Brooklyn when we open, I uh, hope you can do that. Again, we are hoping to open on July 23rd. If it's not July 23rd, it will be soon after that, I promise. Uh, but it looks like that should happen. Again, uh, thanks to Cindy Tran for leading an amazing workshop tonight. If you want to check out Cindy's workshops, she is leading two this summer, uh, both in person at 144 Montague. The first will be on the same theme as the workshop she taught tonight called Marking the Occasion. Uh, again, to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. Sign up early to read for the next YAWP on July 11th with I.S. Jones, another former Brooklyn Poets Fellow who is leading two workshops this summer. Brilliant poet, also an editor, uh, community activist, community organizer, does a lot of amazing different things. Um, not just in the world of poetry, but beyond. So uh, definitely check out her work and uh, come to that. And uh, I think that is it, except uh, last announcement, send us your selfies or just post them on Instagram and tag us at Brooklyn Poets. Um, and uh, our events gallery will look a lot better. Uh, okay, thanks everyone. I'm gonna go see what my baby is doing <laughs> and uh, look forward to a night of no sleep. So I'm gonna... I'm going to have some food and uh, yeah, anyway, I'll just drink like five more whiskeys before, <laughs> before, before, the, before the madness begins. <laughs> All right. Thanks Bye, very much. Y'all. It's good to see you. Bye. All right. There you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic for June 13th, 2022. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, we intend this to be our penultimate virtual Yop before we resume in person at our new space in 144 Montague Street in Brooklyn Heights. Uh, we are working towards uh, the grand opening. Uh, which we hope will happen on July 23rd. Uh, it's, it's, it's moving from a hope to a plan, uh, slowly but surely. Uh, we thought that last month's Yaw would be the last one, but uh, we have one more, and that's coming up. I mean, sorry, the last one on Zoom. Uh, but we have one more coming up on Zoom on July 11th with I.S. Jones, who, like Cindy, is one of... Our new teachers this summer, both our uh, previous Broken Poets Fellows, who have now graduated, so to speak, and become Broken Poets faculty. They're both teaching a pair of workshops this summer. Cindy is teaching two in-person workshops in the new space at 144 Montague. The first begins on July 10th, called Marking the Occasion, and the second begins on July 14th, called Bad Behavior. Those are both six-week workshop. So if you're interested in studying more in depth with Cindy, go to brokenpoets.org, check under workshops, and uh, register to your heart's delight. Uh, the registration deadline for that first one marking the occasion is on July 3rd. Congrats to longtime yawper Bridget Duffy for winning Yawp Poem of the Month for June for her incredible poem, Pornography Tree. Bridget has earned a spot in our Poem of the Year contest in December and a couple of tickets to our awards gala in the same month, 
along with the Brooklyn Boats tote bag. And now that we have a new logo, there will be a new tote bag. So that's pretty cool. Okay, uh, that's all I've got. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Rate us five stars. It helps more people find these incredible poets. Uh, we hope to see you at the next virtual yawp in July. And more importantly, if you live in the NYC area, we hope to see you at the first in-person yawp in over two years, which will be on August 8th. And uh, we haven't yet announced the teacher for that yawp, but uh, we are working on that. And I uh, look forward to announcing it soon. Okay, that's all I've got. Hope you're well. Until next time.